0: Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. All right, you know, right? And Pat was supposed to do this last week, right? Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, In Christ the Lord. Father, may the Spirit be here. May you teach us. May you guide us. And may we walk out these doors changed by your word and your word alone. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather and to glorify your name. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I don't want to forget, and Bill is showing me the candy right there. If you are 17 or under, remember, people, if you fill out the notes section, you go to Bill, and he's got a piece of candy for you. Um, Sam, you are too old to go. Sam will try to get a handful in there, but but that time has passed. I think, what, you're 19 now, right? (laughs) Do you know that... August 16th, August 16th of this year is the 40th anniversary. Do you know that? What happened on August 16th 40 years ago? Does anybody know? Oh, Barbara's heart is, is, is breaking right now. Elvis died. Elvis Presley away August 16th of 1977. I think I see some tears there. You know, probably the same from my mom. My mom loved Elvis. She loved Elvis, the Beatles, Neil Diamond, and Barry Manilow. Those are the four that I remember, and they're so different. But, uh, but we had records upon records of these, and, and she used to make us watch. Like, there's, a, there's one where, you, where Elvis was in Hawaii, I think. Uh, and then there was Viva Las Vegas. Wasn't that one of them too? And we actually started liking Elvis movies. I mean, he was a, an okay actor, you know, for, for starting as a musician. Um, I guess he was acting up on stage and then, um, and then acted in, on the big screen. And so we would watch these Elvis movies. And remember on TV when they'd have like an Elvis-thon. Um, Elvis, there was a time where Elvis was everywhere. And... I think this was maybe, whether it was intentional or not, the most brilliant marketing scheme was Elvis impersonators. You think about it. Now, those have been in movies. You've got, I, all right, so we have all these Elvis impersonators, and if you go to the next slide, you've got, you've got a black Elvis. I mean, you, you, have, you go to the next one, they have Asian Elvises. Do you know that there are Elvis conventions in, like, New Zealand and Australia? I mean, they are all over. And I was reading an article recently. Well, I was reading a couple of articles about these impersonators. Um, They're afraid that now that we are hitting the 40-year mark, a lot of our kids don't really know who Elvis is. So the trend is going up. I don't know if you know this, and at about 2011, um, well, let's say, let me give you a little bit of history. The first known Elvis impersonator was actually in the 1950s. So they were impersonating all the way through his, through his career. By the time he died in 1977, I think we had about 170 known Elvis impersonators, As of 2011, they had over 85,000 Elvis impersonators. I didn't see this in writing, but I I would assume that he is the most impersonated person, you know, at least in the recent history, who's lived. I mean, there there was a movie, what was it, Honeymoon in Vegas, where they, I think they jumped out of a plane, I sort of remember that. There are movies that incorporate Elvis impersonators. And you look at this Asian Elvis, and he's dressed, and he might try to act, but this is not Elvis. I'm just letting you know, this is not Elvis. And no matter how much they try to impersonate, they are not Elvis. And that's the thing, is is when, you know, they actually have a competition in Memphis every year, Um, I think it's, I can't remember what it was called. It's something about the king. And 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 it's the best impersonator of Elvis, but they're still not Elvis. And their lifestyle might be totally opposite, but they've just learned to play the game of impersonating Elvis. Some of these guys that are these up-and-coming impersonators were not alive when Elvis was alive. Anybody younger than 40 was not there. We'll get back to that in a second. In Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9, it says this. And you guys know this verse. You've heard it before, and it's up there also. And it says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So there's irony. Heaven, a place of peace, joy, God's throne, and there is war. There's a battle. And it says Satan has a battle with who? Michael. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but names in Scripture are intentional. And actually, a lot of times in, in, in Bible names, they were named post their story or sometime later in life. Um, let me give you a few of these names. We'll, we'll get back to this text. But, but some of the names, Jacob. Does anybody know what Jacob means? Okay, it secondarily, figuratively, it means liar, but what does it literally mean? Okay, deceiver, we, we didn't get to the, the original, because then why do people name their kids Jacob, you know? Hey, Jacob, you liar, you know? Uh, you know, that's almost like, have, have you ever met somebody named Lucifer? Is anybody going to name their kid Lucifer? You know, I've heard dogs named Lucifer. Um, so, but... It actually literally means the one who holds the heel. Because do you remember what Jacob was doing when he came out? He was holding Esau's heel. Now, figuratively, if I would come up to one of you while you're walking and I take your heel and yank it, you might fall. Hence the expression, oh, that person's just pulling my leg. Oh, light bulb. Do you understand? Hence, that's, what's, that's where this idea of the deceiver is, is I no longer stand on two feet. Somebody's yanking my, my leg, so that I'm, I'm losing my foundation. But that's sort of, remember, his name is also changed to what? Israel. Because he does what? He wrestles with God. And also, Israel means man sees God. So some people believe that that's what that means. Moshe, Moses. Does anybody know what Moses means? Moshe. What was it? Yeah, just drawn. Yeah, the one who's drawn out. Here's the cool thing about this. He is the one who's drawn out. But who is the one that God uses to draw Israel out of Egypt? Moshe. You are the one who is you are the one who is drawn out and you are the one who will draw them out. Gideon now, if you know the story of Gideon, his name also is Yadrubabal, which means let Baal contend. Now, if you remember the story, what happens is when God is first calling him, he feels this, this sort of just this feeling of I need to, we need to give up idolatry. And so he chops down this pole of, of Baal, um, or maybe it was of Asherah. He chops it down, and, and the people are mad. They find it the next morning, and they're like, Baal is going to curse us, so we need to find out who this is. And they know it's Gideon, and, and his dad stands up for him and says, no, you let Baal fight for himself. And hence the name. Well, do you remember the story of Gideon? The story of Gideon is, hey, we got all these men, and God says, No. I'm going to fight for you. Let's narrow it down. And then he's like, okay, I've got this. You know, we're getting small. They've got, you know, a lot of people. He said, wait, 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 Gideon. It's still too many. And he ends up with 300 men against tens of thousands of people. Because God says, just like Baal needs to contend for himself, I will contend for myself. And you're going to see the power of God. Daniel. Daniel means God is my judge. Now, in Hebrew, which is different from Greek thought, judge means somebody who will deliver. Remember the story of the judges, Samson? You know, these people, Gideon, they were people that would deliver an oppressor, I mean a person from an oppressor. The whole story of Daniel is that this nation, well, nations, because you had Babylon first and then Medo-Persian, are all oppressing in God rises up and says, nope, it's not happening on my watch. And then the very end of Daniel is Michael rising up. He's like, all right, you're being oppressed. I will, I will stand in your place. And then Yeshua, which if you know, that is the Aramaic of Yehoshua, which is the Hebrew, which is Joshua, which is translated as Jesus. And it just means Salvation and I don't think I have to explain that. So going back to the story, you get Me-ka-el, Michael. Me means who, ka means like, and L is God. Daniel, Ezekiel, wherever you see that word L, it's God. Who is like God? That is what it means. Who is like God? Now what you will notice about this Mikael who is like God is that every time it is used in the the supernatural realm, like with this being, is there's always a fight. There's always a battle. Something's going on. It's intentional here. That's what I'm getting at. This is intentional, and it's intentional, the meaning. So the the first time it is used is in Daniel. At the very end of Daniel, when when the king of the north and the south are oppressing and it's coming to head, it says that Michael will rise up and basically say, this is it. I'm tired of you hurting my people. And he has a battle with the enemy there. The second time is in the book of Jude. If you remember, there was this fight over the body of Moses. And Satan wanted to claim him? And it says, Michael said, nope. He's mine. And then the third is here, where there's war in heaven. There's always a battle, and the battle is over the name. Let me guide you through this. If you go to Isaiah, if you go to Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, if you want to, to go in your word here, or you can look up there. Isaiah 14 says this. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Some translate that into the Latin, which is Lucifer. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. The enemy wanted to be like the Most High. Did he want? Did he necessarily want to be God supreme? Not necessarily. He just wanted to be like God. That's what the text says. I that he wanted to be like God. Go back to the beginning, Genesis, chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter 3, I guess I started with verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let me ask you, what was the true temptation that Eve succumbed to? To be like God. Now I'm going to pose something to you, and I'm going to explain why I'm saying it this way. But I truly believe that we should not focus on being like God. I'm going to say that again. We should not focus on being like God, rather being with God. God I'm going to say this again because I want you to catch this we should not focus on being like God rather being with God I have kids that I've asked to come up here I, I want my my six kids I think I had to, to come up here for a second bring your signs don't show them to them yet so sort of hide it if you can um no no, no. turn yours around all right. So turn it where it's facing you. The words are facing you. Um, we have an activity here. So I have five. Where's didn't I have six? Cameron, where's Cameron? All right, come on, Cameron. All right. So I would like you to stand here. You to stand here. Don't turn it yet. You to stand here. You stand here. You stand here. And Cameron, I need you up here. Where's your sign? You got it. Up. Oh. Well, we might have lost one. It's all right. We good? All right. We're fine. One, okay, when I say one, two, three, did you find it? Oh, we got it. Sweet. Come on up. Hurry up. Come right here. All right. So I'm going to say one, two, three. Turn it around, make sure it's right side up. So one, wait, wait, oh, wait. I have a task for you guys. Only choose one sign to look at. Try to focus on one sign. Do not look at all of them, cheaters. Look at one kid. Maybe one of those, they're so cute. Um, they're all cute. One kid, one sign. And I'm going to, so I'm going to count. Make sure you're looking at one sign. One, two, three. Turn them. Okay. I'm going to count to three. Now, hopefully you're looking at your one sign, and you read out the word that you see, if you can see. I don't know if you can see from way back there. So, one, two, three. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. All right. I didn't hear the same word. Here's, oh, I guess this is too, who is looking, looking over here? Uh, what, what I did here, what we're doing here, is these are all things mentioned in scripture. And we could even say that they are something that God adheres to, or maybe part of his character. The irony is, if we focus on the care, these characteristics and we try to emulate them this sometimes becomes who we become. So if this if the health message is what I focus on and say, you know, it's well we can't eat this 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 that becomes who God is to me and I try to just emulate that. Does that mean does it mean that if I don't eat pork I am any more actually like God. No. Actually, some of the meanest people I've met in our churches are very strict about their diets. And they think they are becoming more like God by emulating what they think would be good, but they are no more like God than people out there. It's actually worse. So we might have things, do you believe God is far? You don't? You want me to show you scripture in in Jeremiah? He says, am I only a God who is near? Am I not only also a God who is far? In Hebrew, thinking he's both. Boom. And they don't have that tension. I mean, it's technically called a tension, but they believe that he is both near, like somebody very close. But he is also so far that he can hold the earth in his hand. He's big, but he's also near. Does he believe in law and justice? Just. But if you don't know that he is also about love, there are people that will, there are Seventh-day Adventist Christians they will emphasize this till their death, yet they do not show this. And then on the flip side, they know this, but they think this isn't really important anymore. Do you understand, The only way to get the complete picture is by spending time with him. Can you give them a, a, a hand? Thank you for helping. Go ahead and sit down. See, here's the problem. If if I tell my kids, I preach to my kids, don't do this, don't do that, don't don't you know you know make sure you keep your your house uh, you know your room clean, don't eat like that. Eventually, they shut it off. The way that my kids will grow, if I want them to somewhat be like me, and my wife is probably thinking, no, I don't want them to be like him. But, and maybe you might feel the same way. But if I want them to be discipled in that way, I spend time with them. I, if you've ever worked with kids, now you guys know this if you've been a Sabbath school teacher for little kids. And you ever ask for prayer requests or something, man, the floodgates are open. You better be careful, parents, on what you model to your kids. Because I have heard tons. And if you teachers, you know, if you've taught and you've asked for prayer requests, they model what they experience through your relationship. The same thing. If you really want to be like God, it is about being with God. If you look up here, there's a, there are two $20 bills. Now, I know that's probably not the best picture. Um, I want to ask you, who thinks the real one is the top one? Okay. One, two, three, four, okay. Who thinks the bottom one is the real one? Wow. Do you realize that the top one is the real one? The top one is the real one. According to what it said, the top one is the real one. Now, you've probably heard this before. I I was reading reading some articles about how they spot counterfeits. There are so many different counterfeits out there that the only way that they can tell what is real is by studying the real. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the only way they know what is real. So these people in the treasury department and even outside, they said even those markers, you know, those, those markers you get, uh, they said those aren't really good. You know, you can try to make it as a test, but it's not really good. That there are several different things that you need to look for if you want to spot a, a counterfeit. And by the way, if you ever get a counterfeit, it's yours now. So you have to be careful with that. That's why there, there, there actually could be legal ramifications if, if people find counterfeit money within your possession. So what they were saying is you don't, start, you don't start at looking at all the imperfections of counterfeits. They don't make people start, oh, well, here's a bunch of counterfeit money. Study those, and then you'll be able to spot them because there's so many. What they say is study the real. Know this backwards and forwards, and then they test them with counterfeits. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Do you understand what I'm saying? By spending time with the standard, they know automatically what's wrong with the counterfeits. But so much time in our religious efforts, we talk about counterfeits. We talk about certain lifestyles. You don't eat this. You don't do this. This person shouldn't marry this person. We spend time with counterfeits. And we wonder why our kids leave the church. Because they don't know the standard. If we would point them to the standard alone, they would figure out the counterfeits. Point them to Jesus, and they will know what to do from there. I have a friend, this is sort of another activity. I have a friend, his name was Dean. He was my best friend in high school. I love this guy. Um, We still try to text. We're quite a bit different in our lifestyles now. Um, But Dean and I were throughout the last couple years of high school, were inseparable. We had five out of seven classes together in the day. I would pick him up, we'd drive to school, we'd, we'd play sports together. Um, he was a quarter Filipino, so, and we're similar size. Build, so people thought we were brothers. But ironically, which was funny and why they thought we were brothers, is the more time we spent together, the more we actually sounded like each other. We would laugh similarly, we would tell similar jokes, we started enjoying similar things, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional that I was like, well, I want to sound like him, because that's sort of creepy, you know? Um, I want to sound like him, or I want to, you know, no, we just spent time together and we actually started talking similarly, and people thought, are you guys related? You really have to be brothers. It just happens. If you spend time, you will become like. And you've probably read this verse in 2 Corinthians. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. By beholding, we become changed into the same image. You just behold, you become changed. This is gospel. I don't know if you're catching this. I don't know if you're catching this as a parent. I don't know if you're catching this for the first time as an older person. God does not want you to focus on all these things you should not be doing. That is the counterfeit part. All you do is spend time with Jesus. Those will take care of themselves. I heard like three amens. If you spend time with Jesus, the rest will take care of itself. It's not high pressure. Because here's the problem is, if I keep doing this, and I focus on myself, you know, well, I haven't reached that, I haven't reached that, and oh man, you know, the thing is is, I don't just start doing it with myself. The problem is, I might start doing it with you. If I'm being successful in my life, oh well, I'm, I'm vegetarian now, or I'm vegan, or you know, I man, I gave up jewelry a long time ago, but man, Joe over there, ooh, you know? I don't even want to mention Patricia. I got a whole list on her, you know? This is what we do, this is what happens, and you know it's true. That's what's so funny, is you know it's true because you see congregations like this. I want to read a quote. You know what? I love Ellen White. I love her writings. And you know why I love her? Because I started reading for myself the things she wrote, and it was totally opposite of stuff that I heard that she wrote. Let me read this quote from the book of evangelism. I want you to, you, you need to somehow get a copy of this, all right, and, and post it up somewhere. All right, it says this. There are many who try to correct the life of others by attacking what they consider wrong habits. Those are the counterfeits. They go to those whom they think are in error and point out their defects. They say, you shouldn't dress as you should. They try to pick off the ornaments or whatever seems offensive, but they do not seek to fasten the mind to the truth. Those who seek to correct others should present the attractions of Jesus. Did you catch this? I want to read that that last sentence there. We haven't more. But it says, those who seek to correct others should should present the attractions of Jesus. They should talk of his love and compassion, present his example and sacrifice, reveal his spirit, and they need not touch the subject of dress at all. Did you hear that? They don't have to address the counterfeit part at all. They just talk about his love, his compassion. There is no need to make the dress question, so she was talking about dress reform here, the main point of your, of your religion. There is something richer to speak of. Talk of Christ. And when the heart is converted, everything that is out of harmony with the word of God will drop off. The spirit will do this. You are not the spirit. All right? Remember that. I'm not the spirit, you're not the spirit. It is only labor in vain to pick off leaves of a living tree. The leaves will reappear, the axe must be laid at the root of the tree, and then the leaves will fall off, never to return. I don't got to worry about anything else except for bringing my kids to the throne of Jesus. Talk of his love, his compassion, his forgiveness. If I bring them to Jesus... He'll do the rest. How much time have we been spending on the counterfeits? And by doing that, driving people outside of our walls. All we need to do is spend time with Jesus. He will take care of the rest. I'm going to end with the story of Mary and Martha. If you remember the story where Martha is very, very busy. It's actually in Luke 10. If you, if you want to turn there, I didn't put it up there. Luke 10, verse 38 is where it, where it starts. It says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to the village where a woman named Martha had opened her home to him. She had a sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's not doing what's right. This is the godly thing, that she should be like me. This is godly. Don't you agree? That's why I'm coming to you. Come on, talk to her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She she has chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus, and it says that is the best, that is the best place to be. And by beholding, we will become changed into his image.